Awesome, church. Awesome. As you're finding your seat, uh, I promised you today we had a special treat for you, a special speaker today, and uh, really excited to be able to, to introduce to you, for some of you probably the first time, for a lot of us not, because this guy, he's well known around these parts, but he leads the, our Celebrate Recovery ministry that happens every week on Tuesday nights here at the Valley Campus. And would you just join me today and give him some love and honor as he comes to the platform, Pastor Adam Brewer, who's up today. Adam's been an awesome friend of mine the last few years here at King's Church. Just an amazing guy. What I love and respect most about Adam is that he's allowed God to use his story and mm -hmm. something that could have been used against him in a really big way that he's turned around and leveraged that to influence a lot of other people through Celebrate Recovery and to lead some people out of some really scary places. So, man, let's give him some love and some honor one more time and respond awesome. to him today. Awesome. Thank you, bro. Awesome. Yeah, you too. That's the second hug I got from Andy today. Pretty good, eh? Blessed. I'm blessed. Like I said, my name's Adam, and Pastor Andy introduced me, and I have the privilege of leading Celebrate Recovery here. That'd be my main role. Um, first of all, I just want to say Pastor Brent is back next week, and he is bringing us a new series on Grow, and he is stoked, and he's probably going to preach at the end of this because he's so excited he can't even contain himself. So next week, come back, and we're going to jump in and in the story of my life, grow, man. You need to grow and move forward. And first, I just want to honor Pastor Brent, man. He comes up here every week so faithfully. He's anointed. He's been mentoring me and, and many others. And I'm just so thankful to have him in my life and his staff and be part of that team. Like, we give him some honor. All right, like I said, uh, my name is Adam. I'm a pastor here. I'm also an electrician. Is my I don't know if it's still my day job or not. One of the two. Anyway, I got two things going on here, and sometimes it's not that easy. Um, but I believe God's calling me into new territory, and I love, uh, like Jesus said, he calls us, first thing he calls us, life goes one way, and that's forward, right? So that's what we need to do is continue to move forward. We have a picture of my family. I've been married for 16 years. It's coming. There they are, my two boys and my wife, Julie. And, man, I married up, huh? <laughs> I love when guys like us marry up. Man, and in a few minutes, you're going to wonder how in the world I've ever been married for 16 years. But anyway, God has blessed me, and there's no way I could do what I'm doing. Andy said, you know, I run the Celebrate Recovery. I get to be the fall guy. Julie runs Celebrate Recovery. No, Julie has been my partner in that, and it's just been, just been awesome. We've seen God do amazing things. So we've come to the end of our Acts series. So why don't we open our Bibles to Acts, and if you're good, put your finger in Philippians, because we're going to spend most of our time there. And the title of our sermon today, my sermon is, Now What? Let's pray before we dig in. God, I want to thank you so much for King's Church. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, I thank you for raising up broken people. And you love to raise up broken people and use our story. God, I pray for courage to be able to continue to do that and see the power in that and the freedom in that to be able to say yes to you when you call us. God, we thank you for Paul's story and his example and his word. God, and as we look at that this morning, God, I pray that we can just be open-minded, be receptive, and just be truthful with what's going on in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, like if, I was going to say earlier, when Pastor Brent asked me to speak this weekend, I looked at my calendar and I said, man, this is a long weekend. I was thinking, geez, long weekend. And most of you guys watching online or at the campground watching or doing something. Anyway, and I said, that's a long weekend. And he said, what do you want, Easter? <laughs> So uh, anyways, we've been journeying through Acts for about a year and a half, and it has been an incredible journey. Um, we've seen insane things happen to, go, happen 
to Paul. He's been in and out of jail. He's been under arrest, and he's still under arrest. And, and he comes to the end, and Pastor Dell preached last week where he got shipwrecked. He, and then he got bit by a snake. And this guy continued to press on. And then towards the end of Acts, he shows up in Rome finally. He goes before Caesar. He's under house arrest, under guard. And then he speaks to the crowd, and then he continues to preach the gospel for two years, and that's kind of the end. And the story just ends abruptly. So let's read what it says in Acts. Acts 28, 28 to 30. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's the end. It just kind of came to an end. That's it. Do you ever feel like your story came to an abrupt end? You ever feel like you have nowhere else to turn? You don't know what else to do? Maybe in your now what moment you just can't take it anymore. The loved one has just been hurting you over and over. Maybe you're in an abusive situation that you can't get out of. You feel like the situation you're in or the person that you believe you've came, that you'll never change. You'll be that person forever. Maybe you've got teenagers that are starting to act like you did when you were a teenager. Now you understand why your parents were grouchy and yelling all the time. You don't know what to do. Your mental health has just consumed you. You've tried every option to get well. Your wife's looked at the history on your computer. Ooh, bam, he said it. And that's just been a vicious circle over and over. You feel like you're in a dead-end job. It's too late to move on. You're in a pit so deep that you just can't get out of it. And I can tell you that's been true in my story, in my life, in my family's life, where I've been in a situation where I feel like it's just over. It's just the end. And almost three years ago now, my story came to an abrupt end one night. My wife found me using. If I said earlier, I was in a, an addict for years, and I've had some, had some recovery and, and done well and just wasn't focused on the right things and just kind of slipped back in. And my wife had found me, and we tried everything. And I found myself sitting in a hotel room one night, just done, not knowing what to do. My whole life was falling apart around me. My boys, to leave my boys, I had to pack a bag that night and leave. I'll never forget, after I'd left my house and not knowing what to do, I had to drive and actually drop my shame and tell my parents what was going on, what was happening. I wasn't welcome in my home anymore. And I remember driving in my dad's driveway and just thinking, oh, man. He answers the door, and he's so excited to see me. I know I'm his boy. Anyone have children? You guys understand? Imagine the pain. And I'm sitting across from him at the table, and I'm starting to tell him a half-truth. Anybody told half-truths? Half-truths don't work. I told him a half-truth. He didn't really understand the severity of my addiction, but I told him enough. And, and he looks at me, and he says, but Adam, we've been here before. We've been here before. Have you ever been there before? And been there before? And been there before? And before? And you don't know what else to do? You try to scheme a plan and try to make it work. And I remember leaving that night and driving to a hotel room where I was checked in. And I remember sitting there and I had a little bag of clothes. I had all the answers, though. I was going to be able to figure this out. Focus was messed up. 
wasn't focused on the right things, consumed with myself. If I could only get this, I'll get this back. If I could only do this, I'll get this back. And as I sat there, tears in my eyes, not knowing, I remember saying, now what? Now what? What do I do? You ever been there? I can tell you today that that wasn't the end of my story. It wasn't, and it doesn't have to be the end of yours, and it wasn't the end of Paul's. It's not the end. Just when you think it's over, it's not. It's only over when God says it's over. And yeah, those words, you might have grown up in church and you've heard them, oh, it's over and over, read your Bible. Listen, it truly is. It's not just a story I'm telling, it's the truth. And you've got your story. And you might think it's the end of your road, and it's not. Can you believe that three years ago, only three years ago, I was sitting in a hotel room. Listen, I was sitting in a hotel room with a pocket full of dope and a needle in my arm and losing everything. God is way bigger. You need to believe that in your situation. Think I just get up here and tell stories just for fun? I believe it with my whole heart. My wife believes it. She was in her now what moment. She's sitting at home and her husband's gone, the provider, and it's all over. Now what? I don't know what side of the story you're on, but it's not the end of your story. I can tell you that you're only here today because God, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And you need to believe that. It's not just words. We hear the words and we go home. I remember sitting here in church. Man, when I was in my mess, I came every week. Some weeks I was made to. But I came and tears would run down my face and I'd go out and I remember saying to a dear friend of mine, so relationships are important, saying, man, I'll never be the same after that sermon. He said, Adam, you say that every week. Poo, bam. Well, you know, have you said that? Are you going to say that today? The fight you had with your family trying to get your kids ready on the way to church? Verbally abusive to your wife that you don't really believe you are? It's not the end. Like in Paul's story, we saw many times where it was the end. I could tell you right now, if I was Paul, it was the end. I'm not even going to begin to recap all of Acts because I'm not smart enough. (laughs) And I don't remember. Um, But all I know is it was a crazy, action-packed book. Acts, action, cool, eh? Wow. Um, It was, (laughs) I'm some funny here. I don't have time to be funny today. So anyway, action-packed. And right up to the end, it was just, and then all of a sudden, poof. That's it. Now, in those situations with Paul, how did he stay so cool in his now what moments? How did he continue to move forward? I can see it on your faces. You're listening. And you're thinking, ooh, man. I hear you. I feel you. We've all experienced life, and Paul experienced life. He had some life. Paul was a bad dude. He was a smart bad dude. He was the leader of his motorcycle gang, if there was one, or the camel gang whatever it was, back when he persecuted Christians, dude, he had more tattoos than I did. <laughs> Believe it or not, I got mine after I was saved. <laughs> Messed up, eh? But anyway, I'm just try- trying to look the part. I got these done last week so I can look cool up here. No. Um, <laughs> oh, crazy. But maybe you have no idea where to turn. And Paul did. And Paul stayed cool in his now what moments. And we're going to look at three different perspectives Paul had. Paul had a different perspective on life, and we're going to look at those today. And you need to write these down. Listen, we got boxes of pens that are in front of your seats. Write them down. When's the last time you did something different? Do something different today. Write these down and apply them to your life. They've been true in my life. 
my wife's life, our staff's life at Celebrate Recovery. It's why we've seen hundreds of lives changed at Celebrate Recovery and even hundreds and hundreds at King's Church because we apply what we learn to our lives. So the first one is fix your focus on Jesus. I love Paul's language in Philippians 3, 7, and 8. It says, but, wherever we're, but whatever were gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the suppressing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And also, if you jump to Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained this, not that I've already made it, not that I've reached my goal, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press, to, I press on to take hold of which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul, 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 pretty good. Paul totally and truly believed that he had made it. He hadn't made it. His attitude was different. Where's your attitude? When you think you're not all that, when you think you haven't made it, when you finally start to realize, yeah, I've got some problems too. You know, Celebrate Recovery, only I think one in five struggle with addiction. Ooh, recovery program. Only one in five struggle with addiction. The rest is normal life people like you and me. For me, my addiction, I started to realize that that wasn't my real issue. Start to get to the root of our problems. My attitude started to change. I love Paul's language in this because Paul says, all I want is Jesus. All he wanted was Jesus. Forget everything in the past, all those hurts, all those mistakes you've made, the dishonesty, the dishonesty in your job, the little things that we think don't matter, cheating on this, cheating on that. He, even the good things Paul forgot. All he wanted was Jesus and what he had for him in the future. As I read that, I can't help but think, what happened to Paul? What happened to Paul? Like, all he wanted was Jesus. What happened to Paul? What happened to me? Has it happened to me? Has it happened to you? Paul, what happened to Paul was Jesus. And for all your problems and all your issues, and we have, we have resources and we have programs and we have different things to go through, but I can tell you I've tried a ton of them. And the best answer and the only answer I'll give you is Jesus first. You need to fix that focus before you can do anything. When you start to focus on Jesus, you leave all your old mindsets behind. I remember even meeting with Pastor Brent, and I would, we'd be going through different things and just encourage me in the word, and I noticed things started to fall off me. And I had things I wasn't even trying to. I'd be like, I, ADD, man, just on it. Got the ADD bad. And I remember medications and thinking that all of a sudden I thought, and I'm not saying medications are bad, they're good for a season. And as I kept digging in those things, I realized I, I just don't think I need that anymore. My focus changed. Things started to fall off. I didn't have to try to let them go. My wife loves to encourage me early in the morning before work when she does everything and I'm just kind of a goof. But anyway, my wife says to me one day, Adam, do you think you'll get where you're called or where you want to be living the way you're living? Are you expecting different results and you haven't changed a thing? I came here every week and never changed a thing. Oh, Jesus, praise you. Go home, do my thing. Oh, Jesus, I praise you. That's important. You need to keep coming. Do not wait until your mess is cleaned up. If you're all cleaned up, we don't need you. <laughs> Come in your mess. 
come in your mess and Jesus will start to restore you. Paul was way more committed to the future than the past. Way more committed. And I can tell you one reason and, and how Paul kept his eyes on Jesus is he told his story. You want to start seeing power? Start sharing your story. You walk into a room and begin to get real? Jesus will help you. Your focus will start to change. We look at what Paul says in Philippians 3.13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And this brings us to the second perspective. You need to forget the past. I love what Paul says. I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it. I have not made it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Are you living in the past? Are you holding on to things you cannot change? You're molester. Tough stuff. And I understand about forgetting the past. We've all been through life. We all got our stories, and I understand. And it's not that simple, just forget. Like, oh, I just can't forget about it, Adam. I just can't forget. The way we forget about our past is you need to deal with your past. You need to get around people. You need to share what's going on. You need to, like I said before, fix your focus on Jesus. Paul kept life simple by forgetting the past, the good and the bad. There's nothing you can change about five minutes ago. There's nothing you can change. All you can do is choose what you do in the future. Life gets really complicated when we dwell on the past. I see it at Celebrate Recovery. I cannot let this go. I cannot let this go. And yeah, in my own life, I pick things back up. And then I put them down. And I pick things up and I put them down. And I'm picking less things. And then one thing's gone. And then something else comes. Something we work through. Is there something in your past that you're really holding on to that has you anchored? Something that you haven't shared, something that just nailed you to the floor, that keeps you from being in community. It keeps you from being around other people. I can't just forget, Adam. I can't just forget. Maybe you're a divorcee. Maybe you're a bankrupt businessman, an addict, victim of molestation. I can tell you right now, you are not those things. As followers of Jesus, we do not wear a label. I am not an addict today. You're not a divorcee today. You know, stats, we don't carry stats on things in this church. I love statistics when, like even in addiction, you know, 10% out of 40 million people, I think, and I don't know where in North America, 10% of those people get help. 50% of them don't make it. And the other ones are just wandering in a circle. Just picking up and falling down and picking up. We do not label you as a stat in this church. You are not a divorcee. We work really hard and we model Jesus Christ. And that's not the way he does. He didn't see that at all. He called broken people. He called broken people to more. When you don't forget the past and you hit a now what moment, when you're really low and you're living in the past, the first thing you're going to do, and I've been there myself, is you're going to go back to the very thing that doesn't fulfill you. And then you're going to be ticked off when it doesn't. You'll pick up the exact thing that doesn't fulfill you. And you'll be mad when it doesn't. And you'll take it out on somebody else and probably the person you love the most. And it's a vicious cycle. I love what the author of Hebrews says. 
It says in Hebrews 12, we're not sure if it's a he or she, but Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily trips you up. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us by fixing our eyes on Jesus. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus and let that stuff strip off. It doesn't tell us any other way. It doesn't say, well, get rid of all that stuff first. It's like going to the gym in shape. <laughs> that's, believe it or not, that's what I like to do. Most of us do. I don't want to go there out of shape. I want to go there in shape. But that's not, you can't do that. Right? You can't. Maybe you need to adjust how you're running your race. Maybe you need to change some of the circles you're running. So you say, Adam, okay, it's good for you to say, forget the past, but how do I forget the past? How do I really forget the past? You know how you forget the past? You get lost in his love. You get lost in the love Jesus has for you. You start to lose track of the hurt, the unforgiveness, the molestation, the pain, the addiction, the divorce. You start to lose track of all of that when you're in front of Jesus. You start to lose track of time. When's the last time you've spent time with Jesus where you've actually lost track of what's going on around you? When you've walked out of that and been like, man, where's the time gone? When's the last time you spent time with Jesus? You cannot do it by holding on and white knuckling. Impossible. Been there. Don't you love it when the guy that's been there, and you can't fool me? I've been there. It does not work. I've tried it over and over and over again. You cannot do it. And for me, isn't it crazy? When I start to get around people that are on fire for Jesus, I start to forget the past. When I'm around people that are burning for Jesus and excited what he's done in their life and others' life, like we see at Celebrate Recovery, what we see at King's Church, your perspectives start to change. Some of the best counseling sessions I've ever had is setting up chairs. I'm telling you, I've had a lot of counseling. <laughs> and they're the best ones. Relationship, serving in the church. Some of the best counseling, the best time I've had are in those times. And this brings us to our last perspective, and that's find friends. This is a big one, and Paul knew it was important that he needed friends. He needed relationship with Jesus and others. When Paul first arrived in Acts, first thing he did is brothers and sisters. It says in Acts 14 that they came and saw him and greeted him, and he was what? He was super encouraged. You need to be encouraged. You need to be around people that love you. My grandfather always said to me, one of the things he said, he said, Adam, are you hanging around with dead people? You'll be dead. You hang around dead people, you'll be dead. Pretty simple. From a, guy, from a 90-year-old, I think I'll listen. You hang around dead people, you'll be dead. It says in Philippians 3.14, I press on towards the goal. I love his language. I press on towards the goal, the goal to win the prize Goal and prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love how it says God hasn't called me to heaven. He's called me heavenward to Christ Jesus and through Jesus. Paul knew he needed that relationship with Christ. How are your relationships? How is your relationship with Jesus? How is your relationship with others? Is there a few people you need to ditch? Ooh, ditch. Well, listen, how do you expect to get well when you haven't made a change? I can tell you right now, if I ran around in my old circles... I wouldn't be up here today. Things would look a lot different. Paul understood that he had to put work into marriage. Marriage. He had to put work into relationship. He had to put work into relationship with Jesus. He had to spend time with him and others. Like I said, relationship is not in the wedding. It's in the marriage. 
use that example. Relationship, anyone that's married here knows that the wedding was, woo, honeymoon was even better. And then there's the marriage. Woo, woo, you wear that at night? You don't look the same in the morning as you did the night before. <laughs> then the marriage, you need to work. And you need to work on that stuff. Same as kids. Relationship isn't having the kids. Like I said, I love making kids. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do. But that's not the relationship. The relationship is in raising the kids. The relationship is what you give back, what you put in. Paul understood that, and so you need to understand that. I know for me, if you walk into a room and you have that uncomfortable feeling, you're around that person that you haven't been around in a while or that person that you offended, that family member that molested you or that husband or ex-husband that abused you and just didn't treat you right and you run into a coffee shop or at work or you still have to work with them or you're in a situation you just can't get out of, just to forget about that relationship and say not to deal with it, good luck not in this lifetime and I know that from experience. Man, I can hardly walk into a pharmacy without feeling that. I'm pretty much a pharmacist. (laughs) Seriously, I walk in and I see them and it's just, and I need to make that right and I try to make those as right as quick as I can. I try to stomp those out before they start to take hold of me. You need relationships and you need to forget the past. I know for me, I understood the weight that would be lifted. You think I loved apologizing to my boys when they didn't even really know what was going on, peeling them off my legs when I had to leave? Apologizing to my wife, my mom, my dad. You think I like doing that? You think, I know you don't but I understood the weight that would be lifted once I did it. I understood the weight that would be lifted. Things can consume you if you don't deal with them. Relationships keep you straight. Man, I needed a whole team of relationships, accountability. God gave me Celebrate Recovery and wanted me to help lead it and now lead it because he knew that I didn't need just two accountability partners. I needed a whole bunch. I needed a team around me. Relationships keep me straight. Celebrate recovery keeps me straight. You guys keep me straight. Things I do affect you guys. You think the things you do just affect you? That's not true. The last thing I want to do is get up on a Tuesday night and say, guys, it's the last thing I want to do. Relationships keep me straight, first with Jesus and then with others. I love when somebody comes to me at Celebrate Recovery. I love it or it comes to me or I meet with your kids or I meet with other people and they say to me, I've never told anyone this before. I've never told anyone this before. I kind of chuckle. It's like I've never, listen, tell me the sin, I'll give you the testimony. (laughs) I've heard it all. And I get so excited because I know that we're starting to let our guard down. And when you start to let your guard down and get real with Jesus, he'll put people around you. When you begin to get real with Jesus, he will put real people around you. You will attract real people. Are you getting real? Are you who you really say you are? Do you have a lot of shame that you need to drop? I've only seen healing. I've only ever seen healing through true relationship. And I meet with a lot of people. I'm in the relationship business. We're here at King's Church, that's what we do. 
We want to build relationships. We want to show you how to have a relationship with Christ and show you how important it is to have relationships with others. And we hide behind things. We hide behind relationships. We hide behind things to avoid real relationships. What are you hiding behind today? Even an example for me, like Celebrate Recovery. Oh, how you doing, Adam? Oof. Look at Celebrate Recovery. Oh, how do you mean how am I doing? No, how are you really doing? Wow. What do you mean? How are you really doing? Well, look how much money I'm making, my success. How are you really doing? Well, I'm married for the third time. I'm doing pretty good. No, how are you really doing? How are you really doing? What are you hiding behind to avoid relationship? Get real with Jesus and get real with others. This has been true in my own life. Relationships. That November night, I'm in the hotel room with my hands on my head, not knowing what to do. Just when I thought things might get better, things got a lot worse. They got a lot worse. When you start to tell the truth and realize the truth and what's going on around you, you start to change. When you have relationships, you start to see what's really going on. I had a plan and it got shut down. I had a plan I was going to get fixed and it got shut down. Totally. Have you ever panicked not knowing what you're going to do? I'm sure there was times where Paul felt like he was going to panic. He kept his eyes on Jesus, forgot about what was going on, counted on his relationship with Jesus and others. Man, I brought a darkness into my home that only Jesus could break. I remember sitting on a plane, this big bag of clothes, not knowing how long I was going to be gone. And the night before, I fell on my parents' floor because my plan fell apart, not knowing what to do. And I had a relationship with somebody, and I called relationship. I called on a mentor, a friend of mine, and he said, come on up. And I said, are you sure? Because I might steal all your medicine, hide your medicine. And it was bad. I'm on that plane, and I get up there, and the tears are running down my face, and I'm listening to worship music, and, man, it just hit me like, the road that I have in front of me, I don't know I can do it. I tried it so many times, and I cannot do it. And I remember just feeling God's heart just say, just, just go. Sometimes we don't even know what we're doing. Just do it. I get up there, they were the, the worst weeks of my life. And it's funny how I kind of make, oh, it's the worst weeks of my life. Julie was at home with our two boys and the husband that was providing for her. She had no idea if I was coming back, if I was going to get better. No idea. Kids were sick. It's Christmas time. We have two young boys. So as I'm up there, I, my friend knows a guy, and he says, you need to meet with this guy. And I go meet with him, and he's like this big. And he's asking me tons of questions. Yeah, what's going on? It's like, dude, i got to get off the drug. What's going on? What's go-? And I give him an answer, and it wasn't enough. And he kept asking. And I'm like, dude, I wasn't always saved. I'm going to break your neck. And he keeps asking, and he keeps asking. And finally, I just shared. I got real before Jesus and before others. And something clicked. And it was like, whoa. And guess where he took me the next night? Celebrate recovery. And I walked into a room full of people. Whoo, baby. It was getting real. I had no choice but to get real. No strangers loved on me. They encouraged me. And I said, what if I fall? What if I fall? And they said, 
you get back up and you do it again. And we learn a ton and we get back up and we do it again. I came home from Ontario thinking I got this, fell right on my face. Fell on my face. What do I do? A relationship. I call on somebody else and I go. And I remember looking at my mom in the face before I left. I believe it was boxing day. It's like, mom, I need more time. I need more time. Do you ever feel like you just need more time? But guess what? I needed more of Jesus. I didn't need more time. I needed more of him. The hardest thing I ever did, I went over and got before God in the woods and he said, Adam, follow me. You got to stop worrying about the family business you grew up in that's closed, that you can't go back there. You ever thinking I'm worrying about something that you cannot even go there anymore? It's over. And I remember coming back and thinking, man, we need something. I need help. I need people around me. And I gathered a group of men, and Julie gathered, gathered a group of women. And 10 months later, we opened the doors to celebrate recovery, King's Church. So if you, just a sec, just a sec, if you think your story's over, you are 100% wrong. If you think you're in a situation that you can't get out of, you are 100% wrong. Like I said earlier, you tell me your situation and I'll show you, not just tell you, I'll show you a testimony of grace and redemption. It might not look the way you want it to look. It might not end the way you think it's going to end. But Jesus is bigger than any of your problem, and he rewrites the end of your story. And you have the choice today to choose him or choose your way. Man, those next few months were super tough for Julie and I. I cold turkey an IV drug problem. And only Jesus can do that. I'm a stat that is not supposed to be up here. We have stats in our red shirts that aren't supposed to be here serving. This church is full of stories of grace. So today as we close, one of the things we do at Celebrate Recovery is we take blue chips and we take chips. You know what it says on this chip? It says the journey begins. If you have any issue, any past hurt or regret or pain that you need to lay at Jesus' feet, you need to do that today. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, you need to do that. I'm going to actually have Pastor Andy. I believe he's in the room. And as Jay and the worship team sing, I'm going to ask you to come and get a chip. If there's any area like these, man, I find these laying. I've got a lot of these chips. <laughs> and I find these laying around the house. And, man, when I see that sitting on the counter or in the truck or even in the car seat, and I look and I say, wow, how am I doing? It's kind of like a checkup from the neck up. Always wanted to say that. So what are you struggling with today that you're just holding on to way too long? Man, it is it has directed your life into areas you never thought it would. I can tell you today that Jesus is the answer. You give it to Jesus and we'll give you the resources. You give it to Jesus and we'll work with you and we'll walk with you. We'll connect you. We have programs, Celebrate Recovery. We have children's ministries. We have opportunities to serve. We got new campuses starting in the fall. You want to serve? You want to grow? You want community? We'll give you that. You need to put Jesus, Lord of your life, focus on him. Forget the past and build relationships. So I'm asking you today as we start to sing, I'll get Jay to start to sing. 
and I'll pray and, and just come and get a chip. I'm going to ask anybody that's involved in Celebrate Recovery, what we do at CR with these, man, we celebrate. We get excited. So I want our team, if there's anybody here or just part of it, and if you're at Celebrate Recovery and you want to get a chip, you come and take a chip and just worship here in the front. And I encourage you, take the step. When's the last time you took a step? Come get the chip. Put it in your pocket. Tell somebody what you did today. We love you. God's changed my heart and he'll change yours. He'll change your focus. God, I want to thank you so much for who you are. God, I love that you love to raise up broken people. I love that you love us in our mess. And God, I love that you want to free us from our mess. You want more for us. You designed us to live one way, and that's forward. God, today, that person that is refusing to let go, God, I pray that they would just come and take that step out and say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my God, you're my Savior, and I'm done trying it my way. In Jesus' name, amen. Come get a chip. Come now as Jay starts to sing and get a chip. Please stand as we start to worship.